0: Our Girly Evolution is a bi-weekly, bilingual podcast sharing stories of women around the world, navigating women's new frontier, the Me Too millennium. Join Carolina Rocchio and me, Our Girly, as we interview women from different walks of life, as well as different cultures, to explore the inspirations, issues, and irritations women across the globe share. Our girly revolution focuses on how women may have been born to different houses, but we are sisters in the end. Linda Carl, the woman using yoga as a means of evolution. She first encountered the idea of yoga in the early 70s. Her practice deepened in the early 1990s and she got certified to teach in 2002. Sama went on to study the teachings of Sri Krishna Macharya in 2004, became certified in yoga therapy in 2014 and trauma sensitive yoga in 2011. She was also one of the first Yen yoga teachers in the Chicago area. She has been featured in conversations with modern yogis, which presents yo- insights from some of today's most influential yoga teachers, and raises important questions about the significance of yoga in modern life today. She splits her modern life between Batavia, Illinois, and India. We are honored to have Linda on OurGirlyRevolution.com to discuss her journey with yoga, as well as her journeys around the globe. Hi, Linda. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. You have so much, inform- you know, you've got, you have, uh, it's just fascinating, it's fascinating <laughs> background I'm looking forward to talking to you. So tell me, I mean, how did you first encounter a yoga? Um,
1: well, I first encountered yoga in the 70s when I was in college because I was um, a, a, a hippie and back in the day, you know, the hippies were kind of, you know, into the Eastern, you know, philosophies and yoga and meditation and stuff like that. So I knew people who were, you know, into that stuff. And um, so that was my very first encounter with, you know, the word yoga. And um, then I think it was about 1973, I went to a poetry reading, famous beat poet Allen Ginsberg, and he was reading his poem Howl and alan was a big believer in eastern philosophy and whatnot and so he owned and OM being the primordial sound of yoga so we sat there and owned and that was my first public om. and um so that's how i got um i encountered you know
0: yoga the very first time awesome yeah life-changing right yeah yeah, pretty Um, much (laughs) yeah um, and what were the first changes yoga made to your life? Um, well, when I started back
1: into yoga in the nineties, I was act- I actually went got back into yoga because I had um, in the mid nineties I had sh- uh, shoulder surgery. I had a bone spur growing down into my rotator cuff, and even though I went through about six to eight weeks of physical therapy, my I could barely still lift my right arm so i had read that you know yoga is great for uh you know i mean for for everything but you know but for the physical body too so i actually got back into yoga for a purely physical uh reason and that was kind of like rehab my shoulder it was pretty quickly that i knew that it wasn't just a physical practice and Mm -hmm. um so it helped my shoulder just helped my um, attitude, you know, my whole life. And I actually stayed in a beginning yoga class at my local park district for about seven years before, before I became a teacher.
0: Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you went, so you did it for about seven years and then got certified to teach.
1: Yeah, my teacher at the time, the teacher I had at the time, she encouraged me to be a teacher. Um, I don't know why, but um, she just thought I'd be a good yoga teacher and I searched around for yoga teacher trainings in Chicago. And at that time, Mm -hmm. like 2001, 2002, there were basically only three or four at the most Mm -hmm. yoga studios in Chicago who were doing yoga teacher trainings. And so now it's, you know, there's a yoga studio in every block, basically. But at the time, it wasn't like that in Chicago. And Mm -hmm. so I went to, I ended up, actually interviewing some of the yoga studio odors since there was only like three or four of them I decided on the one where I trained uh, because and he was actually uh, the first uh, yoga studio to open in Chicago in the mid-1980s so I decided he's the one and that was the studio I wanted to be trained
0: at and that was it. 2002 and then in 2004 um, you were inspired to go further and do this, study the teachings of Sri Krishna Macharya. Tell us a little bit about this. Uh-huh.
1: Um, well, when I was training or when I had trained at the, the yoga studio in Chicago, at, I think it was 2003, uh, a teacher named Srivatsa Ramaswamy, uh, who's Indian, and uh, he he actually came to Chicago for the very first time and he came to my studio. And I was intrigued because the flyer for him said that he was going to be teaching things uh, from traditional yoga that had never been taught before in Chicago. So it was very you know, intriguing to me. He was actually mm-hmm. one of the first trustees of the yoga school in India, the Krishnamacharya Yoga Mandram, where I ended up studying for basically 10 years. And, but he had come to Chicago and he was doing this weekend. And um, I just remember, he's considered a chant master in India. And so he was, he was teaching for a weekend. And the first night, which was a Friday night, I remember the topic was the yoga of sound, where he was doing wow. traditional Vedic chanting and he was you know, teaching us Sanskrit and everything. And I just drove home, I was just weeping. Because it had affected me. Wow. so His chanting had affected me so deeply. And so then, wow. uh, you know, then I went back the next day. And then on the Sunday, you know, doing the physical practice and um, that style, what he taught, which I ended up studying for 10 years, it, it just felt perfect to me. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had to go study at the school that he, uh, you know, talked about. Uh, which is in Chennai, India, and like I said, it's called the Krishnamacharya Yoga Mandram. And I actually mm-hmm. ended up uh, going there uh, from 2005 to 2015. So that is Did basically you stay there,
0: like for ten years. Did you stay
1: there, uh, I, d- I didn't like, stay there for ten years. I went back and forth, oh, okay.
0: but I would stay oh, okay. for
1: a minimum of a month and probably uh, at the most like three months for every. So. And what
0: is the what is the philosophy behind? Krishnamacharya. The
1: Krishnamacharya understand? style yoga, actually the school, the Krishnamacharya Yoga Manduram was started by Krishnamacharya's son, Desgachar. And the whole uh, philosophy behind it, behind that style of yoga basically is uh, you teach to the individual and mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, can be considered a therapeutic style of yoga because you modify mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for each, you know, individual who, you know, comes before you, it's not once, it's definitely not one size fits all style of yoga. So that's mm-hmm. when I first experienced it with the teacher who came to my, the teacher from that lineage who came to my studio, it just, for whatever reason, it just felt perfect to me, mm-hmm. what we were doing felt perfect to my body. And I said, you know, I got to study more of this. So, um, how I ended up going. And actually, Krishnamacharya uh, is considered the, ga- the grandfather of modern yoga. And so, oh. other famous yoga teachers were his students like Iyengar and
0: Patabi Joyce. And, um... So this was the guy that taught those three. It was Patabi Joyce, Iyengar, and who was that? And Desigachar. Desigachar, his son. Desikachar. But okay. then
1: other, others, uh, he had other students like A.G. Mohan, and the uh, okay. woman into the Devi and
0: um, Ramaswamy. Okay, so now I'm, yeah, I'm getting his, now I'm seeing it. All right, cool. And, and then what, so then you even went further and, and you got, um, what inspired you had got yoga therapy certified in 2014?
1: Quote, unquote, yoga therapy is another, you know, has become a thing nowadays, you know, to become uh-huh. a yoga therapist. But I always considered, the style you know the krishmacharya slash you know desgachar style to be uh more or less therapeutic because like i said it's not one size fits all it's you know geared towards mm-hmm. teaching to the individual and um so yoga therapy itself uh actually just gets deeper into the um you know, for for specific um, like conditions, you know, like, you know, what do you do specifically for people who have back issues or depression or anxiety or, you know, whatever. So it's, so it's a bit more specific even though, even though no one called Mm -hmm. Krishmacharya yoga therapist. (laughs) Yeah. And so the the yoga therapist is in the same tradition because I studied with Ganesh Mohan, who's the son of A. G. Mohan, who studied with Krishmacharya. So it's all like the
0: same okay tradition okay and just more focused yeah exactly. right right and then i'm um, and i'm gonna ask you this um because it, it's um, you, then you became certified in tra- trauma sensitive yoga which i'm a bit since i am bit familiar with you know when when they train you to do trauma sensitive yoga they give you a lot of choices i mean that's the key to trauma sensitive yoga you know to when you're teaching it right. to give people choices right. it, it sounds what you were also a certified in trauma-sensitive yoga. So was that your experience when you walked into this training? Were you like, I've heard this before? Yeah. Well, that? actually,
1: yeah, pretty much. I mean, I was teaching what could be called, you know, quote-unquote trauma-sensitive okay. yoga when I taught, I actually volunteered taught at a uh, domestic violence shelter for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I actually started like right after okay. I came from India the first time because I thought, wow, you know, like this style, this you know what i'm learning mm-hmm. would, would be perfect for you know the women in the shelter and but mm-hmm. then when i went to um get more uh specific training in trauma sensitive yoga at the trauma center um in, outside of boston I just, you know, remember sitting there thinking, wow, this all sounds kind of familiar to me. And, but what was different was, you know, I was specifically learning about like how trauma affects the brain, you know, Mm -hmm. and how trauma affects the body and, you know, things like that. But looking back on it, I realized that, you know, the ancient yogis talked about that too, in yoga philosophy, like, um uh, patterns that we create for ourselves, you know, and I truly believe that yoga is, re- you know, real yoga is, um, you know, replacing, you know, non-beneficial patterns mm-hmm. with beneficial patterns, and so those are some skatas. Yes. and so it's kind of like what trauma-sensitive yoga
0: addresses. Interesting. So, so you, so you've studied, and we're on our girly revolution. We're interested in um, your. Inspired, you went on to teach at a domestic abuse um, shelter. What was your experience working with those women? And I know this is off the script, but I think we could <laughs> talk about this. What was my experience? As well, actually, the I mean, like yeah, you walked in, like what did? Is there any stories in particular about working with this group, introducing yoga, and watching their lives unravel? I mean, you know, get better wanted to teach this this domestic
1: particular domestic violence shelter because um I actually uh am a survivor myself and I was teaching to I was actually teaching to the Hispanic women's um support group so they were um they these were women who basically left their you know, abusers. You know, husbands. You know, boyfriends. Whatever. You know, are ready and say. So they were pretty. You know, they weren't like in the beginning of their healing. I mean, they were still healing, but they were kind of like further down the road. And um I just came in and said, you know, I think yoga can help you, and this is why. And the funny thing was is that um you know I would have a tra- the leader of the group would translate, so like everything. <laughs> And most of them could understand English, but just for them to understand better, you know, the leader of the group would, you know, translate. And I think what was just so, I mean, what was so amazing to me was that, I mean, they just got it. Like the first night I was there Mm -hmm. and I taught there for 10 years, just only once a month. They had like different groups or different people come in like every week and like, you know, yoga was like one week. And they just got it the first night. I can't explain it. They just got it. They knew this would help them. I talked about meditation, you know, watching their breath, and they just got it. I can't explain it. They just completely understood how they can help themselves with yoga and meditation.
0: What what would you say is the key to uh, teaching yoga to someone that has experienced trauma? what is the key to teaching? I would say
1: for a teaching perspective, I would say just being patient and just, just meeting the person where they are. I mean, I used to teach, I had a private student. I used to teach, um, she was a a survivor of um, sexual assault and just be patient. I mean, there's going to be ups and downs and, you know, have, have like, have no expectations, you know, like, Okay, after a month, they're supposed to be at, you know, in this, you know, X, you know, space. No, that's not going to happen. I mean, they might, you know, have a, a setback or whatever, and just, just be there for them. Just be present.
0: That's- and how would you say yoga has helped your own uh, history? Of
1: let me let me <laughs> let me think about that. I think in the beginning, when I first started yoga, it was you know, cause people ask, you know, how, do, you know, how does yoga change you? How, you know, like what happened? And I think it just reconnected me to my true self, whatever your true self is, because when people go through trauma, whether it's whatever type of, tra- you know, violence, you know, domestic abu- abuse, you know, rape or whatever, I mean, you become shattered, right? So shattered mm-hmm. means that you're in pieces. And so if you have, someone who can, you know, lead you through this. I mean, it's like putting the pieces, you know, back together. That's how it helped me. Yeah. Cause the
0: union, right. So yeah, bringing those yeah. pieces together through. Yeah. Through yeah. And it's union.
1: not going to be perfect because when you put, you know, if you break a glass or a, or a antique vase and you drop it, and you try to put it back together. It's not going to be perfect, but
0: it still works. It still works. Cool. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You also uh, do so many, um, and you also studied yin. So, what what kind of yoga is that to people that are listening? Yin Um, yoga. And you studied with a guy named Paul Greeley, who's responsible for
1: spreading it around the US. So,
0: the guy.
1: When I first started um, studying yin yoga, that was also back in my very early days of teaching, it was probably like 2003. And I met Paul Greeley, and um, I said, wow, you know, he was actually met him, the very first workshop that I did with him, uh, it was actually about anatomy, and how, like, you know, the reasons why not everybody's going to do a pose in the same way, and what he said just made total sense. So I, so I ended up, you know, studying with him, I ended up studying with um, another teacher named Sarah Powers, and they both came to Chicago, they both came to yep. the studio where I trained, And so I did multiple um, uh, teacher trainings with them. And I was one of the first yin yoga um, teachers in the Chicago area. So I taught yoga in their style, which was basically, it wasn't a big repertoire of poses, but you held these poses for like three to five minutes and to Mm -hmm. allow the fascia of the body to, stretch you know slowly safely and with the idea behind it that the meridians our meridian system which you know has to do with chinese you know philosophy and medicine the meridian system is contained in our fascia so when you uh stretch the fascia of the body you're also affecting the meridian system and meridians the meridian system you know, deals with our, you know, physicality or emotions or mental state and everything. So, but Mm -hmm. at the time when I was studying with them, I, uh, did not know about the founder of yin yoga, uh, Polly Zink. And he's Mm -hmm. out, he teaches out in, or he lives out in, um, uh, Montana and, paul Paul Greeley had actually learned yin yoga from Polly Zink. Sarah Powers learned yin yoga from Paul Greeley. And so I've been teaching yin yoga in Paul Greeley style, you know, Sarah Powers style, you know, for all this time. So where Polly Zink also came to the studio where I trained in Chicago and I and I said, ah, you know, I, you know, I know this stuff. I don't need to, you know, go, you know, whatever, you know but there's something that just kept calling me to Polly Zink and whose style is totally, and yoga style is totally different from Paul Greeley and Sarah Powers. And Mm. it was kind of like my going to India the first time, the very first, like within the first hour that I uh, studied with Polly Zink for this weekend. So I thought, I'm just going to do the one weekend just to see, you know, what's going on because I'm always the student. Right. And it just Uh felt felt perfect because his, what he was teaching was actually what I was doing intuitively in my own practice. It was a lot more,
0: Ah.
1: it was a lot more movement and Pauly Zink based, uh, based, had based his style of yin yoga on basically, um, uh, Taoism and the Taoist, you know, he often calls it yin yoga slash, you know, Taoist yoga. So it's a lot more moving, and there's a lot more mm. movement because it, it combines yin, you know, stillness and yang. And what I mm. love about uh, Polly Zink's style of yin yoga is that it's, it's not about thinking about anything. It's about feeling it. You have to feel this, you know. It's like it's getting out of your head, mm. you know, and really. Because it, his yo- he bases his yoga on the five um, elements. Uh, theory of Chinese traditional Chinese medicine and that's you know earth water earth metal water wood and fire so all these poses you do mm-hmm. they can incorporate like all these energies it's not just sitting still for five minutes you just have mm-hmm. to do it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
0: yeah. no, it's no like I've read Santa up on him he sounds like a character that's cool he is that's yeah. me where in Montana does he live Outside of Billings, I think. Wow, easy to find. Easy to
1: find. <laughs> yeah, Polly Singh doesn't <laughs> travel very much to teach, and he always lo- he says he loves coming to Chicago. He loves coming to the studio where I train, you know, because of the owner and so he. Re- but he's doing. Um, he started to do some uh, online teaching. If anybody oh. is so, because he doesn't like to travel.
0: <laughs> well, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put his link on the on the note. Because would you say that, that, that yin yoga would also be beneficial for somebody that suffers from trauma?
1: Well, it depends. I mean, you know, depends on, it really depends on the person. Um, right. You know, some people say, you know, there, there are some trauma-sensitive teachers who believe, you know, trauma survivors should never close their eyes because they're going to be triggered. And, but then, you know, other trauma survivors can, you know, that's okay. It's just, it just really depends. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say, Yeah. you know, one, you know, you, sh- you should never do this or, you know, you should always do this. This just doesn't work that way.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like the Krishnamacharya tradition is like that. You know, you meet the student where they're at. And, and totally. Exactly. So you studied there for 10 years. So I I'd need, to, I'd like, and when we talked to women around the world, so I'm sure people are curious. Um, what is it like for a woman in India? Well, I can't. I can't speak for the Indian
1: woman's perspective, but um, right. you know, for me as a solo uh, traveler, solo woman traveler in India, um, I really don't have any problems at all. I know a lot of. I shouldn't say a lot, but I know, you know, some women have had problems traveling in India just from, you know, what, what's called in India, you know, Eve teasing, you know, groping or whatever, or but I've never really had any problems whatsoever. And I I started going to India in 2005. I went to India every year for, until uh, 2015, stud, you know, studying yoga, you know, until 2015. I mean, I would say for a month, maybe, I, at the shortest I'd stay for three, you know, travel around for three months at the longest. And, um, Mm -hmm. I've never really had a problem, but you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, everything was great. It wasn't, I mean, you know,
0: there's, there's half treated differently. Are you treated differently than a man would be? I mean, as you really Uh, feel the um, gender. Um,
1: I would say uh, sometimes I would say sometimes. Yeah. Because if like, Yeah. One time I was like checking out, checking out of my hotel and I'm talking to, you know, the guy behind the desk and then a man comes up, you know, he's in the middle of checking me out and then a man in, you know, Indian man comes up, you know, like right next to me, starts talking right away and I'm totally ignored, you know? And so, you know, there can be that, you know, if you're sitting in a restaurant with, Mm -hmm. with your friend who happens to be a guy, you know, I mean, the waiter's going to talk to the guy, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, mm-hmm. I've experienced that, but I'm not going to say that it happens all the time either. You know?
0: And are there any precautions you would tell people or women traveling to India for those that are curious to go there or any advice? Um, any
1: precautions? I just say, you
0: know, like use common sense. I mean, um,
1: I, I mean, I grew up in Chicago, you know, I mean, I right. have smarts. <laughs> you know, I grew up, I grew up yeah. on the south side of Chicago. And I think if you use common, I mean, you you know, you should use common sense wherever you go, you know, you know, some places in India are more open to, you know, women, you know, wearing, you know, shorter skirts or like sleeveless tops, you know, without being hassled, but in other places, I mean, you know, you're going to be totally stared at. So uh, it depends mm-hmm. on your comfort level. I mean, I don't wear long sleeves in India because it gets damn hot. I wear you know my tops are sleeveless and i have you know full uh tattoo sleeves on my arms so <laughs> so i can stir it out a lot but it, you know it doesn't matter you
0: do but you know it's just your attitude and they don't give you a hard time you're okay. not given a hard time
1: uh no i've never i've never been given a hard time you know regarding that no i mean i wear shawls you know like a you know a light shawl you know if i i go to a lot of temples in south india so i'm going to cover my shoulders i'm not going to wear shorts i'm not going to wear you know skirts above my knees you know and, but in other places mm-hmm. in india that's fine you know like we're in the more mm-hmm. resort type places like goa you
0: know but uh-huh oh yeah anything goes just, goes you know, in goa, should just, yeah you just have to respect the culture you know And so what advice might you give to a woman who wants to travel? Uh, Just go. (laughs) Just go. Yeah, just
1: go. I'm a very firm believer in that every woman should travel solo at least once in her life. Uh, Even if it's just, you know, in the United States that, you know, somebody doesn't have to go to India 13 times like I have. (laughs) But um, just travel solo once in your life. I mean, I think women are so conditioned to putting themselves last behind their partners, behind their children, whatever, that they need to engage in some radical self-care. And I think that's solo travel, <laughs> but that's my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> it always helps me clear my head. Sure, right. Yeah. Sure. I, yeah. And, yeah. And, how, and how has yoga caused revolution in your life? You know, you've, we've talked about you did it started with the bone spur, but like looking back on now a 20 year, um, almost going into, you know, in retrospective, like how has your life been revolutionized by yoga?
1: Oh, how can I say that? I think it's actually, I mean, I know many people would probably disagree with this, <laughs> but I have calmed down a lot. And, um, a lot, you know, people consider me, I'm just going to say it. People consider me just a badass woman, but I used to just fly off the handle, like, you know, like at the drop of a hat. And I, I think it's calmed me down and I think, I don't know, uh, made me happier, I guess. Yeah. And I think I've had some pretty strong things happen to me in, in my meditation practice. Cause I just don't do the physical practice. I I mean, there's, you know, breath work and meditation and just some of the things I've experienced in meditation, you know, can change your life. I mean, I, like I tell my students, you just don't practice yoga on your mat. I mean, you take yoga off the mat and into your life. It's just, um, I don't know, calm me down, I guess, you know, more peace myself beyond words, right? Yeah, definitely. beyond words, like, um, accept acceptance of things not I don't mean like being like a doormat or anything or not getting angry about things that are happening in the world but Approaching things differently, I think, is the most important thing. Yeah, the so one thing I have to say that the one thing I can't stand with like the modern yoga culture is that you know, pe- there's you know, so many people think, Oh, you're a yoga teacher, you're not supposed to get mad, you know, everything's gonna be peace, love, dove, namaste. No, uh uh-uh. uh, you deal with your shadow self, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all, yeah, I mean, you know, revolution is about getting angry. <laughs> one of my, one of my yeah. Buddhist, you know, one of my Buddhist teachers always said that, you know, there's nothing wrong with passion. You know, mm-hmm. be passionate because passion changes the world.
0: Yeah, and it and it shift and it shifts. You know, wow. a tra- anger can be transformed into motivation and fire, yeah.
1: you know. Yeah, I always say yeah. that I believe in I believe in holy anger and compassionate rage.
0: So yeah. ah. I like that. Well, yeah, like this worked that. for me. Cool, <laughs> that works for me. So you you spoke about the modern um, yoga world, and so where would you like to see the world of yoga move towards in the next decade or so? What direction would you like to
1: see? Your- um, I don't. I you know honestly, I don't know. I'm I was one of the very first yoga bloggers, and I was called the fierce, fierce voice in the yoga blogosphere. I started writing about the modern yoga scene in 2005. In case somebody wants to know, my blog is called Linda's
0: Yoga Journey. So, <laughs> dot- yes, and we'll definitely put that down. on the liner note. And so, Linda's Yoga Journey.com? Dot com? Linda's, 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 yoga journey? Linda's Yoga Journey? Linda's Yoga Journey. Dot com, yeah. Dot com, okay, perfect. Dot com,
1: yeah. So I started writing that in 2005, and... Um, that, what That's what my writing actually got me into that book, Conversations with Modern Yogis. So where, I mean, yoga has changed. You know, the, the modern, the yoga scene has changed so much since I started
0: <coughs> mm-hmm.
1: or since I became a teacher. It's um, I used to get a lot of pushback in my blog about using the term real yoga, quote, unquote, real yoga. And to me, real yoga is about the asana, it's about you know breath work, it's about meditation. But a lot of yoga uh it's taught now are just all about the poses, you know, the the hmm. you know, if you can put your leg behind your neck, you know. Yeah. If you can bust out into a handstand, you know. And um
0: Instagram enlightenment.
1: Instagram, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I mean, I don't teach in studios anymore. I teach of my house and I've been, te- I've mm-hmm. actually been teaching to the same people that who, you know, came to me on day one of my teaching. And so wow. I'm doing something right and I'm not putting my leg behind my neck. <laughs> <laughs> so That's cool. for me, I can only speak for me. I would love to see the modern yoga seed kind of like go back to, I guess you could call it traditional yoga instead of the Instagram yoga. But I know mm-hmm. that's not going to happen, but that's what I would like to see. So, and I, and, yeah. you know, and so, I really mm-hmm. think the teachers who teach, and I teach are kind of like, you know, they're kind of like doing it on the sly. You don't hear about them as much because we're not talking about it, you know, uh-huh. still, you know, uh-huh. still waters run deep. That's the old saying. And whoever, you know, hollers yeah. the most gets the most likes,
0: you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah and I've come across good cop good yoga in the most unusual places right I tell you and they weren't, it wasn't from any social media you right. know I've run into a great yoga teacher at 24 hour fitness like one of the best I've run into a great yoga teacher in tiny little towns like we Polly poly zinc right. you know I'd probably wander into a studio one day and well, there's poly zinc you didn't even know it you know right so right. yeah right. So you are doing a, you're going back to yoga are you are going back to yoga you're going back to india <clears throat> when in, when are you going back to um, well, i in November this year, November. I have a
1: yoga retreat uh, planned i've been doing yoga retreats for since um oh how long now probably about five or six years in South India and in Kerala in and city called Varkala, it's right on the Arabian Sea. And if I'm not doing yoga retreats, um, I also do small custom personalized tours of India. So I do that too. I only take like 10 people at a time. And if my yoga retreat goes, if people sign up, um, you know, I'll be doing that. And if not, I'm probably gonna go back to India anyway.
0: Awesome. And so if readers wanna come and find more about you, um, do you have a link? That you have a website, a main website. I'm going to yeah. link the book, the blog, and the retreat. Yeah, my blog, yeah.
1: as I said, is Linda's Yoga. Well, my my blog name is um Linda's Linda's Yoga Journey, and um mm-hmm. you know you know what I forgot my I forgot my my website name. It might be Linda's Yoga dot or Linda's Yoga dot I can't remember because I'm not writing as much. As oh, it. okay. But um. My uh, website, my yoga business website is meta, metta, M E T T A, and then hyphen mm-hmm. uh, yoga.com.
0: .com. Awesome. Well, good luck to you, and thanks for joining us. I yeah, really appreciate well, thanks it. Thanks for asking me. This was great. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And keep, yeah, and thanks for the trauma sensitive yoga. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, and the Krishmacharya, yeah, completely. I see the relationship clearly there. Yeah. so mm-hmm. Cool. To hear Linda's full interview, be sure to go to ourgirlyrevolution.com. And for more information on Linda Carl, please check out the following websites uh, www.meta, M E T T A hyphen yoga.com and www.lindasyoga.com her yoga blog Linda's Yoga Journey and for more stories of women and their revolutions around the world please check out ourgirly.com, where we may live in different houses but we are sisters just the same